time. It's just, it's, it's, not, it's not like it is in the Bible Belt where, where for several hundred years there's been outreach there. This is, this is some new territory. I'm grateful for men like Jack Cook that blazed the way here and, and uh, began to work. Chad's got an uncle, Rick Adams, up in Portland and uh, just, a, just a giant of a man that has done incredible work there. And I'm thankful for those that came and, and began to blaze a trail for the Lord here. And I'm grateful for the opportunity. I, I'll, when my life is over and, and, and I stand before the Lord, one of the things I'm going to be so deeply grateful for is that he stirred me from my comfort zone in Georgia where I had lived all of my life except for the years that I was in Bible college and called me here uh, to the West so that I could begin a work. And I'm, I'm, it's just been the greatest adventure of my life. And we have people today uh, uh, that, um, uh, you know, they weren't in church. It, you know, there was, there was nothing there for them. Uh, and yet when we came, God allowed us to bring to them the gospel, what we talked about taking the light and, and bringing the light into darkness. And we've seen, we've seen Mormons saved and we've seen... Uh, people that were locked into Catholicism saved, and we've seen all different types, alcoholics and, and, and people that were uh, addicted to meth and just some of the most difficult situations in the whole world. And then we've seen people saved that thought they were on their way to heaven and doing the best that they could, and they've come to know Christ as their Savior. And so it's such an honor to be a part of uh, God's work, and I'm, I'm thankful tonight. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Matthew and uh, chapter number 5, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're going to talk further about this matter of light. And uh, we're going we're gonna to go a little deeper into it and, and uh, see what God would have for us here. Matthew chapter number 5. He begins in, in verse 13. Let, let me just give you the picture. Could I do that before we get into the scripture? Because most of the time when you read, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, 8. When you, when you read these, you, you get a picture of Jesus talking to a vast group of people. There's a multitude that's gathered there. And Jesus stands before them and he says to them, Ye are the light of the world. In my first trip to Israel... Uh, that I went over, we had a, a guy that was there, and he stood down at the bottom of a little uh, indention in the ground, and almost like an amphitheater, the hill was spread before us, and he showed how the voice would echo, and he read part of the Sermon on the Mount, and as he read that, he said, this is what happened as Jesus spoke to the multitude. But then I read my Bible. And as I read my Bible, I found out that's not what happened. Look with me in verse 1 of Matthew 5. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught who? Them saying. So the Sermon on the Mount is not to the, it's not to the lost multitudes. You can't hand... Bible principles and Christian principles to people that are unregenerate. And so Jesus didn't stand at the bottom speaking to the group. He left the group, went up to the top, drew into him that first church and, uh, and, and began to teach that local New Testament church the, the, um, uh, the principles of his kingdom and the things that were expected. And so he's got them gathered there. 
And basically what he's saying to them is simply this, I'm going to give you the principles of the work that I want to do in the hearts and lives of men, and then I'm going to send you back down into the multitudes below us, and I want you to implement these principles by living them out uh, before a lost and dying world. And so he goes through what we call the Beatitudes, okay? They're attitudes. They are the attitudes that we are to be. It's not something that we act out. It's not something that we craft or perform. This is who we are. Listen, it's not that we make peace. It's that we are a peacemaker. If I am a peacemaker, then I don't have to put great effort into making peace. It's just a part of who I am. And so these are the Beatitudes. Let me give you the attitudes that, that you ought to have as a Christian. So he does that uh, in, in these first uh, uh, 11 and 12 verses. Then in verse 13, he begins to talk about the impact that they're to have as they go back into the world as lights in a world of, of great darkness. And, he, and it's an antiseptic um, um, impact. We are, uh, we are to bring... Uh, an antiseptic um, impact on our jobs. It, it may even be in our families. I remember when my dad got saved and, and took his stand and, and uh, made some, some deals where you know, he wasn't going to drink anymore. And my dad wasn't an alcoholic, but every now and then he'd have a beer with, his, with some of his friends and family. And, and I remember the difficulty that that introduced, but my dad had an antiseptic he had an antiseptic influence on the life of people that he was around. Listen to me. We're not to be conformed to this world. We are to be salt in the world. And salt sometimes stings. And salt sometimes causes a, uh, a, a harsh reaction. But it has an antiseptic and a preserving influence that is vital for us in the world. Don't go to the world and try to get the world to praise you. Go to the world and try to have an impact and an influence on their life. That's very, very important. And let, let me just say this to you. Nobody has, a neutral, nobody has a neutral impact in church. You're not just, I mean, a chair does. If you leave the chair, you know, it, it's, there's a neutral impact. The chair's not doing anything. It's inanimate. But if you have, if you're, if you're a, a human being, your impact is either positive or negative. And the reality of the matter is in the world and in your family and on the job and wherever you go, you're not going to have a neutral impact. You're either going to be an antiseptic impact for the Lord or you're going to be a corrupting influence. One of those two. There's, there's not an in-between. So let's look in verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's just take a moment 
and go to the Lord. Father, we love you. Thank you for the Sermon on the Mount. What a sermon. Preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived. And oh God, I pray that you would take these words tonight as we, as we think about and delve a little deeper into the light in this world of darkness and that you would help us, Lord, I pray, that we would realize exactly what it is that you're saying to us in this portion of Scripture. And so, Father, open your word to us, convict us, speak to us, inspire us, encourage us, motivate us, Lord. Do thy work in our midst, and we'll be careful to give you the glory and the praise for all of it. In Jesus' holy name, I pray these things. Amen. And so here on the hillside in our text, we've joined Christ and his disciples have gathered around his feet and he teaches them and he begins to describe to them uh, about the world in which we live as a world of darkness. Now we talked about it last night, didn't we? In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And so it's important that we get the picture, because in John he talks about darkness, and now in Matthew he's talking, uh, he's talking about light. Now we'll, we'll get there again in just a moment. But John three nineteen, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. Well, that's awesome. It's a world of darkness. Isn't this great? Everybody in darkness is going to want the light because who wants to walk around in darkness? But the Bible says men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You walk into a room and shine a light, sometimes people recoil because they're used to being in darkness and all of a sudden there's this light and boom. We went down into Merrimack Caverns down in Missouri. I don't know if you've ever been there, preacher, but it was, I mean, you go way down into the belly of the earth, and the lady says there, she said, now, we're going to turn the lights off, and you're going to experience darkness like you've never experienced in all your life. It's darkness that is tangible. You can grab a clump, stick it in your pocket, and take it home with you later. You know, so we're standing there. My nephew is with me, who is semi-insane at times and then most of the time he's fully insane and so we're all there and she said I, I'm going to suggest you grab the rail if you would and and if you've got children hold them near and so she turned the light off and as soon as the light went off my nephew let out with a scream I'm going to tell you something listen it melted stalagmites and quagmites and all the other mites they have in there I mean millions of years of stuff were just puddles on the floor after the scream I want to tell you, the light went off, and he was, Wah! and all of a sudden, the light came back on, and her eyes were as big as softballs. Light, man, sometimes it's, 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 it's uh, you know, it, it was just that rush, and the light was back on. It, it's, it's an alarming thing, and, and, and so it's interesting to me that into this world of darkness, in a manger outside of a little town called Bethlehem, light was born. Light was born in that in that manger there. And Satan, who is the ruler of the darkness of this world, had been shrouding mankind for 4,000 years since the Garden of Eden. But suddenly now there's a bright and shining light that is 
penetrating and piercing the darkness and men began to see clearly again. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus unto them saying, I am the light of the world and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness but shall have the light of life. John 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. So Jesus tells everybody, hey, listen, if you'll just get with me, you can live in the light the rest of your life. What a message to people that dwelt in darkness. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. So you know what they did? They took the light outside of the gates of Jerusalem to a skull-shaped hill and they nailed the light to a cross and they spat at the light and they cursed the light. They reviled the light. And all of a sudden, God Almighty showed the world what they had been and what they would be without Him. And God reached over and flipped the switch of heaven and for three hours, darkness shrouded the earth. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glories in when Christ the mighty Maker died for man the creature's sin. And then God turned the light back on and of course we know the story how that Jesus was buried and, and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and makes intercession for us uh, and, and yet he, he is reminding us that as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And so what Jesus now is teaching these men, he's saying, listen, when I die, when they crucify me and they think that they've extinguished the cross, it's not true because now you are the light of the world. That's a powerful thought. I am to be to the world what Jesus was to the world. I'm to be a light. I was in a store one time doing business and back in Georgia and a little girl behind the counter was working the, the, the you know, the little tape on the old cash registers it was just winding up she's like oh she pulled it out and tried to tear it off and straighten it up and stick it back in and she kept looking I'm so sorry looking up at me I'm, I'm, I'm sorry sir and I said ma'am it's all good it's okay I said hey look I'm I'm in no more of a rush than you are it's fine don't worry about it just take your time get it fixed I know these things can be aggravating so uh you know I got a I got a calculator machine the paper don't wind up it's all right it's all good and she stopped and looked at me and she said, aren't you, a, aren't you a pastor? And I said, well, yes, I am. I said, why would you ask? And then she said this, you're not like brother so-and-so. She named another pastor in town of a Baptist church. And she said to me, that's the meanest man I've ever met. She said, he comes in here, he's gruffy. She said, I just figured all preachers were like that. And she said, when things went wrong, I was just so nervous that you were going to start chewing me out because if I make any mistakes with him, he's always chewing me out. And I said to her, I said, ma'am, I just wanted to tell you this. That's not what Jesus would do. And I said, I want to apologize to you that, that, that there's somebody like that. And I said, but I want you to know that that's not what Christianity is all about. I've been in restaurants before with groups of preachers, I'm just being honest with you, groups of preachers where some little waitress comes out and delivers food that she did not cook and she did not order and some high-minded Christian is sitting there and, and I, I've been with a group of preachers and, and, and their eggs, well, la-dee-da, you wimp. You know what I'm saying? You sissy. 
So you can't eat eggs that aren't cooked exactly the way you want to? Well, hike your skirt and get out of here. That's the most effeminate sissy thing I've ever heard. Just make, makes me mad and inspired. I got up and moved from the table. They said, Brother Dean, what are you doing? I said, I'm not eating with you guys. You're an embarrassment to me. I'm not going to stand there and eat with you, chewing some little waitress out. She didn't cook the food. Go, go in the back where the six-foot-eight cook is and talk with him. He's got a meat cleaver. He'll give you a split personality. You want to complain? Go back there. I mean, it's ridiculous. Listen to me. Everywhere you go, you are to be light. Think about that when some girl who's working double overtime trying to make money to go to college serves you and you give her a quarter tip. Don't do that. I, l- listen, we're light. We're, we are, we, he, he said, listen, this is a world of darkness. I'm gone. I'm leaving. I'm going to my father. So I'm leaving you now so that you can penetrate and shine and pierce the darkness of this world and let them see Jesus in you. Now, notice first of all, ye are the light of the world. Okay, there it goes. Now watch this. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. It's interesting to me because a city is not an individual. A city is a corporate group of people that have gathered together and, and uh, they've chosen to dwell together and have built a place to do so. Now, he's talking to the first church. And these are, this, the, the symbolism there, the parallelism in this is very clear. He's talking to the first church and he's saying to them, here it is. You're a group that have chosen to, to, to uh, cooperate. You love each other. So you've joined in together uh, to live together and do a work together. And so what this does, first of all, is it pictures our responsibility as a church to let our light so shine. Now, it's fascinating because he said a city that is set on a hill, right? You with me? Okay. How many of you are here tonight? Let me see your hands. Okay, you're staring at me like you're still mad about the motorcycle statement last night. So get over it. That's serious stuff, okay? Anyhow. So my wife told me on the way home, she said, well, you lost half of them. But anyhow, okay, all right. just, just forget I said that, all right? So Jesus is saying a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, what is he saying to us? This is clear. Listen, this is what he's saying. I don't want my church in hiding. I don't want South Valley in hiding. I don't want West Valley in hiding. I don't want, listen, I don't want my people, as they come together as a church, if you've got a church, if you've joined together, if you're cooperating together, if you've decided you're going to throw in with each other, he's saying this, I don't want you to go somewhere out in the yonder sticks and and, and, and back in the bushes somewhere to build your church, he said, I want you to set your church on a hill where everybody can see it. It's a lighthouse in, in a darkened, darkened world. Now, one of our problems is, now listen to me carefully, city set on a hill. One of our problems, because of who we are and our, our, our desire to serve God and, and our suspicion of a of a wicked world, one of our problems is we have, a, we have a tendency as churches to become reclusive. Man, let's just get, 
get a handful of people where we all agree. And when we come together, we'll all be happy because we all look alike, walk alike, talk alike. And I want you to say this, and I'll say this some more in a message tomorrow night. We'll dig a little deeper in this, but I want to say this to you. That's, that's not a sign of health in a church. That's, that's a sign of, of, of ill health. Because the reality of the matter is we're all on a different... First of all, there's, first of all, there's, there's Christian liberty that has to be considered. Second of all, we're, we're all on different levels of the path of the Christian journey. And so I can't expect you to be where I am. And if I do, then I make myself the measuring stick whereby everybody else must be measured. And, and re, in reality, there's somebody further down the trail than I am. You see, and so the city is to be set upon a hill. God hasn't called us to be a spiritual monastery where we all come together with the King James Bible stuck up under our arm and we all believe the exact same thing and walk the same way. You know, I mean, that's not what God's called us to do. We're a, we're a light. Build it on a hill where everybody can see it and, 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 and where everybody can be influenced by it. The Great Commission, we talked about this last night in Mark where he said, Go out and compel them. Well, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so the Great Commission is not just soul winning, it's discipling. See, we don't give birth to babies and leave them sitting on a street corner somewhere. We train them, we feed them, we nurture them, we help them. We see what this what this young man say. What this this young man said. He, he said, "Listen, uh, uh, because of the church, my life was changed. Jesus was brought into my life, and now I want to be a pastor." What's he saying? I want to do for others what he's done for me. Amen. Found people, find people. And, and that's what he's talking about. C.T. Studd said, Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Give me where the action is. My dad was with the 763rd, landed at Normandy. For three days he slept in three inches of water in his tent. A young man that was with his group wrote a letter that I read later and he said, I want to go home. I want to go home. I'm tired of the rain. I'm tired of the deprivations. I'm tired of the hardships that we got. I want to go home. My dad sat in that rain-soaked tin and sent my mother a letter and he said to her, Maggie, you may not understand what I'm fixing to tell you, but I have volunteered to be a frontline scout. I'm tired of sitting in a tent. I'm tired of, of frittering this away. I want to go to the front line. And my mother told me when she read that, she wept and was angry and said, why would he do this? And yet my dad wound up in the, in the Battle of the Bulge uh, in dangerous situations because he wanted to be where the action was at. And I want to tell you, as people of God, we've gotten to a place to where 
We, we, we want to just, we want it all comfortable. And God is saying to us, no, 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 no. You wade out into the darkness. Go, get up, go, get up, don't rest. This is not the resting time. This is not the time where we sit back and take it easy. God's saying, I want you to go out into the highways and hedges. I want you to go into all the world. And if you can't go, send somebody. And let's get a man over uh, in, in, in Chile. Let's, let's get somebody in Africa. Let's get somebody in Russia. Let's send somebody to, to, to China. Let's get people in the far reaches of the world that they can be front lines spreading the light. To a world of darkness. That's what we're supposed to do. I want to tell you, the reality of the matter is this. If we internalize our focus, you know what happens? We start caring about us. We don't even have a building. I mean, we're meeting in a school. and We're looking. Preacher, you know, I've had people tell me. I've had friends. I've had friends in the South tell me, well, when you get a building... When you get a building, it'll validate you. Well, ask the people that got saved whether we're validated or not. Building doesn't validate you. Jesus does. Now, I want a building, but I'm just simply saying, that's, I'm not, I don't want a building to validate. I want a building to get people in. So, so what happens, listen, what happens is we can get to a place to where if we internalize, we start thinking about us rather than them. Instead of the go ye, we get settled in and, 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 and we start getting excited about cosmetic changes. And I, we should. And I know you're remodeling. But the purpose of your remodeling is, is so that you can reach people and bring them to a place to where God gets glory and lives can be changed and hearts can be touched. And that's what God's called us to do. Listen to me. Ye are the light of the world. You're not the light of the church. We get so cockamamie. You ever been to a stadium? You been to a football stadium? Okay. You know what happens? You get to a football stadium, the lights shine in. You know why? Because the action's inside. You get to see, you know, who's sitting next to you. You get to see what's going on on the field. But if you stand up top in the nosebleeds where I've been, where I've been before, you stand up top of the nosebleeds and you look out, you know what's out there? Compared to what's going on inside, it's pretty dark out there. It's pretty dark. The light's inside. The darkness is outside. No, 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 no. He didn't say, you're the light of the church. We don't come, hey, look at me, preacher. Am I shining? I'm in church. I want to impress you with my standards. That's, that's not, you know, standards are to please God, not to impress each other. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not, my, I don't need my light to shine to you. You've already got the light. So I'm not, I'm not going around showing off. This isn't a show, you know, where, where we prance in front of each other and we're proud about how we dress and how we walk. Because after all, I've got to come to church and I've got to really shine. In front. No, no, no. No, no, no. Listen, we don't turn our light inside. That does no good except it, it creates a clique and raises a group of Pharisees that are proud of each other and impressed by each other while the world outside dies in darkness and goes into outer darkness. 
You're the light of the world. We're to shine our light outward. Not, 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 we don't try to illuminate each other with our spirituality. We're a city set on a hill so that all the world can see our light. That's what outreach is. It's just grabbing this, wading out into a darkened night and saying, come on, I've got light. Now, he shifts gears. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So don't become reclusive. Don't become monastery-like. Don't try to impress each other as you walk in with the light that shines from you. Okay? Like somebody comes in here. All the people is it comfortable? However they're dressed. But notice the second thing. Watch this. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Now watch this. And it giveth light unto all that are in the, what's the next word? House. So the first thing he says, you're a light as a church to a world in darkness. But then he says this to this church. The illustration is this. You've got to have light in your house. Because if your house is dark, if your house has no light, if there's no light into the home, how can you be a corporate witness as you should be? So he's talking now uh, uh, about the, the, the light that, that, that is in the home. Now, now here's the deal. He's talking about taking light. So, so, so notice the phrase there. You don't put it under a bushel, but you put it on a candlestick. And it gives light to all that are in the house. So they would have a, a, a mantle where they would take a candle. They didn't have these, of course. But they, they would take a candle and they would light the candle and they would place it up. It's in an elevated place so that within the house there was light given. Okay? Now I want to just say this to you. Listen, you're never going to be, you're never going to be the witness God wants you to be to a world that's lost and dying in darkness if you don't have light within your family. That's hypocrisy. It's the utter hypocrisy. I want to say to every mom and dad here, listen to me. Your children do not expect you to be uh, perfect, but they do expect you to be honest. See, they know if there's inconsistency. Now, no home's perfect, okay? No home is perfect. But, but, and there are disagreements, and we know all those things, but I'm just simply saying that, 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 that what a child has to see, if they're going to, if they're going to grasp the, the Scripture, they've got to see the consistency between mom and dad at home and mom and dad at church. I make this statement at church planners conferences when young men are there. I said, God have pity on the man who is a hero at church and yet a villain at home. I have no validity in my pulpit if I don't have validity in my house. If my wife knows that I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a piece of work, my mouth is filthy, the programs I watch on TV are questionable, and I am, listen, I am just, 
I don't, I don't live anything that I preach, but I'm getting up at South Valley and I'm preaching the Word of God and I'm picking a paycheck up. My wife, listen, you know what that is? That's, that's hypocrisy. I'm a hero at church and people say, Pastor Dean, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here, Pastor Dean. We love you. We appreciate you. And then I go home and pitch fits and never open my Bible. There's no light in my home. It's a battleground, a dark place where Jesus doesn't shine. No, we put light, we put it on a candlestick, and, and we elevate it up so that it gives light to everywhere in the house. And I want to tell you that if you're going to bring light to a lost world, you've got to have light in your home. It's important. So what helps me when I soul win is to get in this book and, and let this light shine in me. It, you know what it does? It penetrates me. I'm reading it and it's like, oh, dude, son, really? Ouch. Man, it helps me. I'll be, I'm going to make a decision. Well, what decision? You know what? You know what? You know what the word is? It's a light unto my feet. It's a light on my path and a lamp unto my feet. It, it's, it's, it illuminates where I'm going. So what, what, I got to have light, man. We're going to make a decision as a family. We got to have this light. When we were, we were going to resign in Georgia, we came out to Idaho and I preached a men's conference out here and I said, I think God's moving me. And, and we were in the book and, and we read the word and had family meetings and <clears throat> we were praying about it. And God just said, I want you to leave Georgia. I want you to go to Idaho. You know what showed us that? Light. Packed our whole family up and headed this way. Light. Your pastor and his family were in a great church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. A wonderful friend of mine. Wonderful pastor. Successful ministry. And, and, and right there, and God said, I want you to pack all your family up. I want you to go out to a people that you do not know in a city that you're not familiar with, and I want you to pastor there. What, what gave him that understanding? Light. So how do I go to a world and say, hey, come on. If I don't have light to illuminate where I want them to come to. And the more familiar I am with this, the more skilled I am. That's why we study to show ourselves approved a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And you know what? I'm to be ready to give an answer to every man that asked me of the hope that's inside me. We talked about that. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this course that you're having because all it's doing is making you more prepared. Why wouldn't we be? I don't want somebody working on my car that doesn't know, well, what's that? Well, what do you mean, what's that? It's the engine, dummy. I had a friend that came to my church, and, and he, 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 it needed oil, and he put oil in the radiator. Son, you talk about a mess. I mean, don't work on my car. And don't even look at my motorcycle. <laughs> Anyhow, so I, I, look, listen, you, you know, I, I, and so, you know, we got to have answers. Don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. They don't have answers. Don't be nervous. 
Learn the life. Study the life. Read the life. Memorize the life. Let the light be a part of your life. Let a light, the light shine in your family's life. And then when you go out, all you got to do is talk about the light. We don't have to be deep theologians. Most of the thing I tell people, I got saved when I was 12 years old. Bob Richardson came and shared the gospel. I was a 12-year-old boy. I asked Jesus into my heart, and he saved me. I've been saved ever since. That's what moves people. That's what Paul did. He gave his Damascus Road experience. And so, so it's, it's important that, that the light shine within our home. And so let me just ask you this question. Is your home filled with light or filled with shadows? Is your, is your light got a lot of shadowy areas? Questionable areas? Watch something on TV that you know doesn't match up with this. See, this is the filter. Everything you do. If it don't pass the Bible test, it don't pass. Well, how do I, how, how do I live? Right here. Let, let it pass this. If it not, it'll 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 be a, a shadow. Now he then is going to make it personal. Now I'm going to dig deeper in this tomorrow night. He's going to make it personal because the next thing he says, he, next thing he says to them, okay. First of all, he said, you're, "A city set on a hill can't be don't, don't hide the light. Don't hide the city. Don't hide your church." Then he said, make sure the light is elevated in your home, shining in your home. And, and, and then he said this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so what he does now is he brings it down and he makes, he makes it, it personal, you see. He's going, to, he's going to personalize the light. And he's simply saying this, listen to me. You can't hide, listen, you can't hide in the home. Now, my wife loves God. She was saved. She was a bus girl. She was a bus kid. She got saved riding buses to church. I had no idea when I walked the aisle and married her 46 years ago how deeply God was blessing my life. And the fact that she has such a walk with God, if I'm not careful, I can hide behind her. I got a godly wife. I got a wife that loves the Lord. And so I just hit the autopilot for old Dino. <laughs> yeah, man. I got a good wife. You know what he's saying there? I can't hide my light in the church. City set on a hill. Okay, that's good for the church. Thank God for it. We're together. We're church. No, no. I can't hide my light in the home. Now he says, let your light, individualized, so shine. It's not my wife's, it's not Susie's life, it's not George's life, it's not the life of my children that are, that, that, that are living for God. Dean, you, 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 can just, you, know, you can just hide in your home and everybody says you've got a godly home, but you're a reprobate. I can't do that. Now he brings it down and he says, let your light so shine before men. Before men. 
that makes me, that takes me out of my comfort zone. It takes me out of my comfort zone. I, I got to go, I got to find men. I got to shine before men. I can't just sit and, and say, okay, well, I'm reading my Bible in my office. No, I got to find men. I got to be busy with this matter. Can I just say this, and, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift and we'll, we'll tie a knot in this, but, but listen to me carefully. Um, let, me, let me give you an idea. Uh, years ago, I was in Bible college. Susie and I were married, and I promised the Holy Spirit of God that I'd witness to somebody every day, every time he told me to, I'd witness to somebody. And I try to do it daily. So it's freezing cold, man. It's, it's like this, it, it was freezing in Springfield, Missouri, and so... I'm on my way down to the grocery store to pick something up for Susie and I. We, and our car was broke down. So I'm walking down there, and in the parking lot was a bunch of guys with Harleys. I mean, rough guys, too. They weren't the doctors and lawyers type. So I'm, I'm walking by them. And God, the Holy Spirit, said, I've witnessed to them. And I thought, that ear's not working good. I kept walking. The Holy Spirit said, witness to them. And I said, Lord, they don't. They're not the kind, they just, that's, no, they, they don't want to hear it. So, Lord, pick somebody else. And God, Holy Spirit, said to me so clearly, if you promised me that you'd witness to anybody I, I wanted you to, and I want you to witness to them, and you're not doing it, so you're, you're not honest with me. So I stopped and I said, all right. So I walked back to those guys with their Harleys there, and I learned something that day. I should have known it, but I learned something. I said, man, that's a beautiful bike. And it was like somebody saying, is that your grandchild? And the guy smiled. He said, well, thank you. I said, you know, I'm not real familiar with all of the models of Harleys. What is this? And he said, well, this is a fat boy. And, you know, another one had, a, you know, an XLCH. And so we're talking right there. And I start talking with them about their motorcycles and some of the ones that I had, you know, growing up. And we're, we're talking there. You know what they did? They, every single one of me let one of them let me give them a track and witness to them about Christ. You know what that is? It's a subculture. It's a culture that's below the surface of everyday normal life, but they're pockets of subcultures. It, it may, li, li, listen, find a subculture that you can be a part of. I'm a motorcycle guy, so I get to witness to motorcycle guys all over the place. And it gives me, that's, a, that's an inroad to a subculture. And it may be that you're with a, you know, with, you're with a civic group. That's a subculture. It could be whatever it is. But here's the deal. We just, we have to find opportunities to take our light, let our light shine before men. Now let me wrap it up and just say this. L listen to me. Here, here's the deal. We got a light, okay? Here it is. We're in the house. We set it up. The whole family. I mean, we get it up. We get it up. You know, it's up there a little bit. The whole family gathers around, and we stare at the light. Oh, God, look at this. Have you ever seen a light like this? You're staring at me. I'm asking you a question. Okay. So, you ever seen anything like? So we're all sitting there staring. Look, look at the light. It's just, it's just amazing. That's not why you put a light in the house. You put a light in the house so that you can see other things. The light illuminates the rest of the house. So let your light so shine before men, not so that they'll stare at you and say, dude, you got the light. Polish that baby. Get that halo shining. No, no, no. 
we shine the light so that they may see our good works, the difference in us and them, and glorify our Father in heaven. Here's what I do. Hey, y'all, look at Dino. <laughs> no. It's I want you to see my Father. I want to show you my, I want to show you my heavenly daddy. I want to shine the light so that you can, you know why you sing? So that men can see him. You know why you teach? So that men can see him. You know why you give? So that men can see him. You know what missions is about? Him. It's not about us. It's not about what we give. It's about, it's about what we're privileged to give so that that guy in Chile can see him all the way there. So, so the light that we shine, the light that we shine is, is so that others, it's not showing off, it's shining out. I give to shine out so that other people can see my Father. Let's bow our heads. Could we do that? Oh, dear friend, hear me. Listen. West Valley Baptist Church, God wants you being a city set on a hill. I'm so glad you're here. I love this church. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for your fellowship, friendship. I pray for you that God will, that God will let you shine in a, in a part of this valley that is in darkness. Be a city set on a hill. Don't shine your light in. Shine it out. And shine it in your family. And shine it. Look for men to shine. Not so that you become impressive, but so that others through your light can see your Father. Would you stand to your feet, heads bowed. Father, in Jesus' name, do thy work, I pray tonight. Oh God, help us, I pray, as a church that our light would shine. We'd be burdened and busy about this matter of being a lighthouse. Lord, help us in our homes to shine, for fathers to have devotions with their children again, and to read the scripture together, for, for, for husbands and wives to pray, Lord, to let Jesus be high and lifted up in the home. And then, Lord, everywhere we go, every opportunity we have, let us shine before this world. Lights in a world of darkness. Lord, help us to do that, to be that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. While the piano is played in the invitation, is sung. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond.